if you are someone who is tired of having people tell you what to do, if you are someone who senses and knows and believes that the answers you're seeking can't come from somebody else, because some of what they say might be effective for you, but some of it won't. If you are someone who wants to hold space for yourself, to find that place where the questions you have that know no answers suddenly become the answers you get that know no questions, I would have a listen to our conversation. All right. Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of the NeuroFlex podcast. I am your host, Toby Passman. If you guys have ever heard of photobiomodulation before, it's kind of a mouthful, but it is something that is also known as light therapy. And specifically, what light does for the brain is really cool. It gets absorbed uh, by the mitochondria, which the brain is chock full of and stimulates the mitochondria to increase blood flow to the brain and increased oxygenation. We've got a really cool photobiomodulation helmet that we use at NeuroFlex. And if you are currently in the South Florida area, whether that's uh, Tampa, St. Pete, or Miami, Fort Lauderdale, I am currently doing in-person sessions uh, that incorporate photobiomodulation training. So go ahead and check that out at neuroflex.com. That's N-U-R-O-F-L-E-X.com. On today's episode, we have a very special guest, Daniel Levin. Daniel walked away from an opportunity to run a billion-dollar business, to hitchhike around the world to find happiness and inner peace. He studied in a seminary five years and left one day before becoming a rabbi, and he's lived as a monk in a monastery for 10 years. As director of business development, he grew Hay House from $3 million a year in sales to $100 million a year in revenue. Daniel is a rare blend of businessman and mystic who sees what others do not see. It has been this one quality more than any other that has thrown him into some of the most exclusive boardrooms to help companies innovate new ways of finding solutions when the old ways stop working. And he's also the author of The Mosaic, which is a life-changing fable that invites people to listen to those others do not hear and to see the situations in their life differently. So Daniel, um, quite, you got quite the interesting background. Um, welcome to the show. I think the best thing I can do now is say thank you very much and we end the interview. That's a, you know, a good description of me. Yeah. So, so first question I have from you that, that begs the question. So what, what got you to, to leave one day before you were going to become a rabbi, why, why did you leave the seminary? So if you, look at the, if you look at my life, there are lots of places that I left, leaving the chance to run a multi-billion dollar corporation. Most people would say, why in the world would you do that? Leaving one day before becoming ordained, why would you do that? Leaving a psychology, a mentorship with... I, with the man who started organizational psychology, 
people would say, why would you do that? I mean, those are all like given beautifully, um, beautiful opportunities for you to have a life that's so rich and full. And I used to think that I had a fear of commitment or something because like I would leave all these things. I would be on all these things and leave them. But there were lots of things that I was committed to. I was committed to listening to my own inner voice. I was committed to um, following what I felt to do, no matter what the consequences. Uh, so I ended up going to seminary in Israel, not because I was going to seminary in Israel. I was there and I met a, a holy man who said to me, I have one question for you. Were you born Jewish to become a Hindu? Because I was on my way to India and I asked him to bless my trip to India. And he threw me out of his office. And I said, I'm sorry, that's not the blessing that I was looking for. Like the, I'm leaving tomorrow and I wanted to come here to get a blessing. Long story already long. He said to me, if I, I can't give you that blessing because you don't know how to see. If you want to learn how to see, come back tomorrow. Because you, you've been in Israel nine months. You've been north, south, east, west. You say you've seen Israel from top to bottom. I don't believe you've seen a thing because if you saw something, you would never leave. If you want to learn how to see, come here or else you'll go to India. And the same thing will happen. You'll be there for a year, five years, 10 years. You'll never see anything. It's important you learn how to see. So I stopped my trip and I went to study with him. And I studied for a long time. I studied not a long time, I studied five years. But when it became time to be ordained, I said to him, I have too much integrity as a human being to take ordination from you because ordination from you would mean that I'm, I'm following in the way of you and I can't do that. So I would rather walk away from everything rather than be ordained in your name and not live to the way you, your name would want me to live. And he said, but you're one day away. Give yourself the opportunity to take just, it's a test you have to take and you're, you're going to pass it. I said, I understand, but it, I'm going to pass on it and just follow the integrity of my heart. So that's pretty much what's happened along the course of my life. When, and I really am here to hold space for people who feel stuck in the way that they're living and don't feel there's any option because why in the world would they leave what they're doing? And how would it be, why would I do that? I'm like in the midst, I've developed all these years to it. I, I can't, like, what am I going to do? I'm going to leave now? Yes, you can. So was there something about the way you were raised in childhood? Was it something that you learned uh, earlier on in life? Like what, what do you think got you to that point where, where you are able to kind of walk away from these opportunities um, you know, still holding true to your own values and your integrity, uh, you know, but but walking away from opportunities that other people, um, you know, might not have the power or not not have the mental fortitude to to step away from. Like, what what do you think that is about you? 
um, somewhere early on in my life, I realized that I wasn't like everybody else. But I think what really cemented that process for me is my dad passed away when I was 13 years old. And my mom passed away two years later on exactly the same day at exactly the same time. And so I asked the adults, and I write about this in the mosaic. The mosaic's a fable that really tells this story. I asked the adults where my parents went because I, I grew up with, and I, I grew up in a home that had amazing love. And I felt completely unconditionally loved. And there was nothing I could do that that love would be taken. I mean, I did stuff wrong, all the, you know, but it didn't, their love wasn't dependent on what I did right or wrong. So when they passed, I was, I was looking for that. I was searching for that. I was wanting that. And I asked the adults where my parents were, and they said they're in a place called heaven. And they're, it's a good place. And I, so as a kid, I set out and searched for the place called heaven. And when I found the places that I were in, the place that I was in was not that, or was not that for me, or wasn't going to give me that, it was easy to leave because I was, I was singly focused on finding that place. And, and what is that, what does that place sort of represent to you in terms of, um, in terms of, I guess, like what you've sought out to do, whether in your life or your career, um, what is it about certain opportunities that you've left in which you feel like you haven't found that place and, what is it about other opportunities that you then seek out that you feel like you are approaching that place? Beautiful question. Um, one of them is already that sense of unconditional love. And one of the reasons why I left the opportunity to run a multi-billion dollar company is because when, I, when my parents passed, I moved in with an aunt and uncle that I didn't even really know. And to my surprise, and he was a household name around the world. And he looked at me and he said, um, I've been watching you for a little while. And you have an interesting quality about you. And so I'm going to lay down an offer for you. And today your life is going to change. And I said, wow, what's that? He said, I'm going to start you pushing a broom in my company. And I will mentor you until you are sitting in my chair and you will be running this company for sure 15 years from now when I, when I leave. But you'll be running it way sooner than that. But I'm going to watch you. And where you fall, I'll pick you up. You have no chance of, of, of failing. I, I'm committing myself and making, uh, making that commitment to you that I will be by your side and I will teach you what you need to learn. Who could want anything more than that? But somehow I had a peculiar streak in me. And I said to him, that, that's amazing. You've been watching me for a month and a half and you're a brilliant, wise man. And in a month and a half, you saw something in me that made you want to give me this offer. Thank you so very much. But I'm just a kid. But here's what I do know. Nothing comes free to us in this world. There's a price to pay for everything. I would like to watch you for one year. And I'd like to see if who you are is who I want to be. 
And he said, okay, that's a very peculiar answer. Most people would have said, why wait till tomorrow? Where's the broom? Let me start right now. I said, just our rotten luck. I'm not that person. I'm not most people. He said, that trait will either drive you to success or drive you to the bottom. And he's right. I'm not sure which one it shook me to. Um, but here, I watched him for a year. And I saw he had a birthday party and 400 people came to the house to, have a birth, to celebrate his birthday. And I, I went up to him and I said, this must feel amazing to you. To have 400 people come to celebrate your birthday here at the house with you and to just love you that much that they're here and laughing and having fun and celebrating and having a great time. He said, Danny, don't misinterpret what's happening. These people could care less about me. If I had no money, none of them would be here. They're not here because they love me. They're here because of my last name and what I, what, what I can, might give to them. And so I, after a year, I said to him, do you remember you saying that to me? He said, yes, I would say the same thing to you today. You have to be careful when you have a lot of money. So I said, why would you want to give me that gift? And you have to remember, I was searching for that place, that heaven, that place of unconditional love. That was the antithesis of that place of unconditional love. That was a place where, where not only did people not love me, they just wanted, they wanted to use me or take advantage of me or just, so that had no interest to me. I couldn't, I, it, having a billion dollars didn't mean anything. I was searching for something else. And so I asked him a few more questions. And after that, I said, I think the, I think the answer to your question is pretty obvious, right? I think I'm going to, I think this is not for me. And that situation, people that are wealthy use their money to get what they want. And when he couldn't use his money to get what he wants, I mean, he gave me an amazing opportunity. And he saw the choice that I made of not taking that opportunity. He, he said, um, you're excommunicated. I've, I've, I, I lost complete, complete faith in you. Um, and you're not welcome here anymore. But I think that's how hurt he was, that he gave me the greatest gift he could possibly give me. Who, who in the world wouldn't want to be mentored by a billionaire and told that you will absolutely succeed in taking over this company and, and being a multi-billionaire? And I think it just hurt him so much. But what I realized is I can't live my life around what he wants me to be. And I would have no chance to be myself in that life. So I set out and hitchhiked around the world. And I sat on street corners. And I didn't take a camera with me because I didn't want the responsibility of having a camera and having to worry about whether I would lose it or not. So I took a pad and some charcoal pencils. And Toby, let me tell you this, I suck as a drawler. I'm, I mean, I, I'm not, like, I'm not an artist. But I would sit on street corners and I would see things and I would start to draw those things the way I saw them. And I guarantee you they sucked. But I guess in those days, this was 50 some years ago. In those days, 
it was perplexing to people that someone would be on a street corner just drawing with pencils. So people stopped. And then the longer I sat there, people brought food and drink. And we were suddenly sitting in a circle of people having conversations. It wasn't about what I was drawing. We were just talking, sometimes in languages neither one of us understood. We were just sitting together and being with each other and loving on each other. And I thought, wow, this is what I was looking for. And what I realized is my dad told me before he left, Danny, I've done what I can do for you now. It's my time to go. But I won't leave you. I will be in every person you meet along the way. Listen to them. Listen to what they say to you. Listen to their stories. Because in their stories, you will find my story. And somewhere in their story, I will, I will bring to you what I wanted to bring to you, but I just don't have time to bring it to you. And I just saw a healer who told me, I thought I was an empath. And I still think I am. But she said, you're not an empath, Danny. You're a collector of stories. Because what your dad told you is listen to those stories. And so you hold on to stories and you collect stories and you feel people's stories. And in those stories, you feel your dad. And in those stories of feeling your dad, you feel your connection to heaven. And you've done this your whole life. But now there's technology has helped us. We can actually, you, you don't have to carry those stories in your being anymore. You can store them on the cloud. And whenever you need them, you can access them in the cloud and bring them down so that you don't have to carry all of that as pain in your body anymore because my body had a lot of pain in it. Just give them to the cloud now. And when you need them, draw from the cloud. They're right there. It, it, you could have done that 50 years ago because we didn't know about the cloud. We didn't even know about the internet. We didn't have any of that. But now you can. Use technology. Use the situation of today to... to reinforce what it is you're looking for and tell those stories as you need to. What is it about the, the power of stories that, that have been so meaningful to you in your life? Great question. Stories for me are real. You know, as I traveled around the world and as, as, I, as I encounter, I, I meet tons of people now. I, I think it's one of my joys of life is just to sit with people. I'm going to say almost 100% of the time, the person I initially see is not at all who they actually are. And when I realized that if I can't, like I'm pretty, I felt like I'm pretty, I feel like I'm pretty good at feeling out people. I feel like I'm, I connect with people really well. I feel like I'm open. I'm, I allow people to come in. But if I can't see them as they actually are, what else don't I see? And I realized there's nothing in the world that I actually see the way it is. I see everything the way I am. And so when I allow people to tell me their stories, undoubtedly I see a different person than the one that I saw when I first approached. And in the story of a person is the magic of who and what they are. It's where their healing is, it's their medicine, it's where their love is, it's where their, it's where their trauma is, it's where their pain comes from. 
And simply by what, what Mosaic, what the Mosaic taught me as I was writing it. And it's a crazy story because I tried to write it and it kept, chapters kept, I would save a chapter and they, were, they weren't there in the morning. And I know how to save a file. This happened for three years. I would write and save and gone, write and save and gone. Finally, I got so frustrated. I said to the characters, which were mythological characters based on real life people, but I made them up. I brought them onto a Zoom call similar to this in my mind. And I said, what in God's name is going on? Why won't you let me write this book? Like every time I write a chapter, it's, I, I think, oh my God, I finally captured your essence. And the next morning I wake up and it's gone. And they said, you're not listening to us. We don't want to say what you're saying. I said, with all due respect, you're my characters. I made you up. I should be able to, you know, cast you in the light that works for the book. They said, you're, you're most welcome to. We have, you can do that. But we won't, allow, we won't allow it to be saved because you represent us in a way that we don't want to be represented. If you want to write the book, just listen to us. Sit with us for a month, 30 days. And just listen to us tell you our story. I said, after three years of sitting here, having you take everything I have, well, deal, start, start speaking. And they told me a story that was so beautiful because the story they told me wasn't only in the words that they spoke, but it was in the spaces between the words. Most of us look at a book and we think, oh, wow, here's, a, here's I'm gonna read every word in this book. And I'm going to integrate every word into it. They're missing half of the page. Because half of the page is the spaces and the silence between those words. What's the story that that silence tells us? And when we learn to listen, for me, when I learned to listen to that silence, something beautiful happened. It's not that the words are not real. The words are real too. There's a, the mosaic is a beautiful fable. It's people, people compare it to the alchemist. I mean, what an honor to have my words compared to the alchemist. But when I told somebody that I brought these characters together, they told me of another famous writer who used to invite their, his characters to tea mythologically. And he would look at the way they were dressed. He would look at the tonality of their voice. He would look at what they said. He would listen to them. And that's how he would, he would write the, their character. So I thought, well, maybe I'm not crazy because everything I'm saying sounds pretty crazy to me. And I'm a real sort of simple nuts and bolts sort of guy. But one of the things that I realized, one of the places my heaven is, is in that silence, in the presence of a human being, in the presence of nature. There's a silence that is so sacred and so holy and so beautiful. And that silence speaks so loudly when we listen to it. But I wasn't listening to it. 
And I think what happened for me in the, in the process of listening to people's stories, I understood something about human nature. What I understood is every single person that I met, and I met probably upwards to a million of people. Every one of them wanted the same three things. They wanted to be loved and accepted. They wanted to be listened to and heard. And they wanted to be seen and acknowledged. And when I realized that, I thought, that's the easiest thing to do in the world. Why would people have such a hunger for that? Why can't we do that for each other? I can do that. And I changed on a dime. And I said, that's the world that I want to live in. And that's the world that I want to create. I want to hold that space for people to feel loved and accepted, listened to and heard, seen and acknowledged. When people felt that, they felt no need to be defensive. They felt no need to be protected because it was what they were really seeking. And finally, they were in a space that allowed them to be that person so that all the walls dropped. When their walls dropped, there was intimacy into me see, right? That's what happened. We allowed ourselves, we allowed each other to see into each other. That was beautiful, but I didn't expect what happened next to happen. Just outside of those walls were countless blessings and gifts that the world wanted to give to that, those people. But they were generous and, and um, compassionate enough not to break through walls that people put up. So they remained on the outside of those walls, waiting for an opportunity to come and bless and give and gift. And when those walls came down, people felt flooded suddenly with all these opportunities, business opportunities, new ways to make money, new relationships, new ways to see the relationships they were in, new health situations. I was dumbfounded. And people would say to me, wow, you have an amazing ability to do, like, what did you do to me? And I said, I didn't do anything, you did it. You just felt comfortable enough to let your walls down for a minute. All these were gifts that were being, that wanted to be given to you for lots of years. Now just relish in them, enjoy them. I did nothing. I just, I just like I held space. There's that word again, space. That space between things. It seems to me just, just hearing this kind of my first impression of like kind of that question that you you pondered of like why if if we're all searching for you know those three same things of of wanting to to feel loved and accepted um to be heard and to be seen yet you know why is there so like why do so many people not feel those things it's like it seems like you know judgment or like passing judgment on other people or just like communicating with people in a way that they don't feel those things, it seems like it's it's sort of a, um, a lack of ability to hold that space and more of a, like, I'm set in my ways, I'm going to 
stick with like if you had stuck with your initial impression of who you thought those people were rather than continuing to like keep an open mind and actually hear from them and learn who that person actually is it seems like they would probably not be able to feel that love and you know acceptance from you is that so, at all yeah, how you think about it absolutely i mean it couldn't be more perfect and and remember that heaven that I was searching for was unconditional love that my parents gave me. And my dad hinted to it. He said, I've done, I'm done with my time here. I can't give you anymore. But in every single person you meet, you will find me. Listen to their stories. Listen to what they say. Listen to them. They gave me back my unconditional love. Like how boring is it to just believe what I believe? Like I know what I believe. I'm, I'm bored to death with what I believe. I could care less. What's beautiful is finding what you believe, listening to you and feeling like, how is it possible when we both look at the same exact thing? I see it one way and you see it another way. And how beautiful, show me, I want to know how you see the world the way you see it. Because there might be something in the way you see it that will open up something in me to see it something differently than I've seen before that might just be the key to me getting out of a box or a hole or a situation or a pain or a suffering or anything that I haven't been able to get out of but I can't get out of that if I keep doing what I'm always do doing I had a I had a fabulous little story my wife's an energy healer and I've had pain in my body for a long time and finally I said to her baby, will you do a session on me? And she said, of course, absolutely. I would love to. I've been waiting for you to ask me. And she did a session and immediately my pain was gone. I went from like a level eight or nine pain to a level one pain. And I thought, wow, this is remarkable. I thought it was just because I stopped eating gluten the day before. But this morning, my pain came back a little bit. And I realized I, I ate gluten last night. And so sometimes the world isn't as metaphysical as we want to make it, or it isn't. So it's just simply this food is uh, things that have this in it, I'm allergic to. And my body reacts and it's telling me that. And possibly it was because of the gluten. But we can't ever find answers if we aren't willing to listen, listen to ourselves, listen to what the world around us is saying, listen to others, listen to the one that's greater than us. I mean, that listening is an essential component in storytelling. What good is a story if there's nobody there to listen to it? Is listening something that you believe that, because I know you do coaching now, and I'm wondering, like, is listening something that you can teach to other people, or is it something that they have to be able to figure out within themselves? Um, I don't think I can teach anything to anybody until they're ready to have, have it. So I think, in essence, we all make our decisions. Um, what I can do 
is I can hold the space for you to discover it on your own. You know, we, I do rooms with my wife on Clubhouse. We used to do them every day. Now we're just doing them once a week. But so often people will come and say, Danny, can you tell me what I should do here? And I said, undoubtedly, I can tell you. I could tell you what I believe, but that doesn't mean it would be right for you. Why would I want to steal from you this moment? This moment where your questions that seem, don't, don't, that seem to not have any answers. You're asking question after question after question, and they don't seem to have answers to them. But I promise you, if you sit with them and listen to what's happening, what you're, if you get a chance to hear your own voice, you will get those answers. And those answers that come from your own voice will be what's right for you. I can't, I have no idea what's right for you. I can't teach you what to do because you and I aren't, as much as we're the same, we're different. But when you hear that voice, that place where you had questions that knew no answers, will become, we will become a place where you have answers that know no questions. Why would I want to steal that moment from you? That beautiful, exquisite moment where that change happens. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you have the space to just sit with those. Sometimes people don't like it. People want, you know, come on, give me an answer. I can't do that. I'm sorry. You know, I'm, I'm smiling because I, I feel like I can relate to that so much just in my own life experience of, you know, when I, when I finished college, I ended up taking a job in Florida, moving across the country to a place that I'd never been before, didn't know anyone. And, you know, was surrounded, suddenly, I wasn't surrounded by my peers of the same age, I was surrounded by people who were, you know, uh, in their later 20s or early 30s, even in their 40s. And I saw all of these people that had, you know, characteristics that I wanted, whether that be, you know, the professionalism at work, or just the, the confidence that I saw the confidence in their own skin that I, you know, I saw all of these qualities that I really wanted. Um, that I didn't necessarily feel within myself yet. And I definitely sought out those kind of like answers to my questions, um, trying to trying to almost get them to solve my problems or try to, you know, get them to just like feed me the answers. And I think, you know, at some point, you know, maybe it, it took a year. Uh, but I think I realized that it was like all of all of the answers or all the questions that I was asking I really did that like the best that they could do was really almost help guide me to the answer within myself. Um, yeah. But that it wasn't something that was to be found externally. It was something that I needed to just like tune into like those, my inner, you know, voice or, or just, just really my mm-hmm. own intuition and the answers were there. It was just, I was, I was denying my own intuition because I didn't, have any trust in myself because I trusted these other people. Yes, yes. Beautiful, 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 beautiful story. I mean, and how 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 powerful does that make you feel at the end of the day when you realize that everything that you sought is right inside of you? 
Extremely. If just if you can just be patient, um, it's a pain in the ass, you know, because sometimes it's so easy to just go to somebody and say, "Oh, you're about to walk into a into a hole there. I come take my hand. I can, you know, you don't have to." But there, there's something so exquisite when we get tired of walking into those holes and we start to open up our eyes and we see a hole for ourselves. And we say, either I'm gonna jump in it because I need to have some more time to figure this out, or we walk around it. And we decide that. We live in a world where everybody is clamoring to be, to tell us what to do. It's beautiful to finally find some people that say, I'm not gonna do that for you. And what I find in our rooms that we run is that when people don't worry that someone will coach them and tell them what to do, they're free to just say whatever they feel because the room will absorb that, will absorb that. We'll say to them, boy, that's beautiful. What a, what a wonderful moment to sit with and have a chance to pull out of that answers that might be possible for you. And, and people, some people get pissed off at me. You know, it's, it's okay. I'm not for everybody. But even the word coaching, I feel like people are prostitutes standing on a street corner just all selling their wares. There's nothing to sell. The flower doesn't do anything to get the bee to come to it. It just opens up and says, there's nectar here. If you want to come, please take it. You know, I was having a conversation the other day with someone who, who was explaining to me um, in, in their business them, you know, that they do, you know, both coaching and mentoring. And I had never necessarily really thought about the distinction between the two. And maybe some people define them differently. But the way this individual defined the difference was almost as though they were like polar opposites in terms of mentoring the mentoring in his view was almost like helping people kind of helping them find the answers within themselves versus his definition of coaching was, you know, more so just like telling them exactly what to do. And, uh, you know, in order to get the process done, I just thought it was so interesting how those, those two seemingly very related, uh, topics were such polar opposites in, in the way, you know, he approached it. Yeah. I, I, I've worked with coaching companies to help brand them and help them tell their stories. And most coaching companies would say that don't ever tell anybody what to do. They would always say to do the second thing that you said, which is just ask questions, allow them to find and discover what it is that's theirs to do. And so it, each person comes to this field and to their life in the way that they see it, which is absolutely beautiful. Um, We're on video now, which we won't be on your podcast. But there is a, there is a, behind me, there's a mosaic made up of thousands of cars, painted different colors, little, little tiny cars. 
And one of the things that I love about a mosaic, this is the story of the silence between the words of my book, The Mosaic, is it's a horizontal relationship. It's not a vertical relationship. There's no piece in a mosaic that says, I'm going to fix you. I'm going to tell you what to do. I'm going to help you. I'm going to train you. I'm going to show you. I'm going to coach you. I'm going to mentor you. I'm going to do any of this. Those are all vertical relationships where I am above and you are below. The beauty of a mosaic is none of that happens. It's horizontal. What makes it beautiful is each piece holds the other piece, the pieces next to it and just, and just holds them and keeps them safe and secure. I'll interpret into it that they love, that they share the love of just being in this thing together. That's an interpretation, the mosaic, none of those pieces behind me are telling me that they love each other. They're just there with each other. But there's something that happens when we come together and just give people the space to be with each other, to be themselves. Each one of those cars is different, and yet together they make up something exquisitely beautiful for my eye. And so what would happen if instead of having verticality in our relationships, we had horizontalness? What would happen if we just walked with each other? I know one of the pitfalls of being a coach is every, everybody I met, I started to coach. What a pain in the ass that was. Because my wife didn't want to be coached by me. My friends didn't want to be coached by me. People that I saw in the co coffee shops, they didn't want to be coached by me. And finally, I realized, dude, what's going on with you? Like, like, what's so important? Why do you feel the need to be so important to change somebody or help somebody or fix somebody that you don't even know? Just let them be. Just love them. Just let them feel your love. Let them feel your presence. And if they want something, they'll come and ask you. If they don't want something, you've lost nothing. You've given them love. How beautiful. But we live in a world where, out, where I believe, maybe this is just my own personal world. I believe I've, I lived a life of insecurity so much that I wanted, to, I wanted you to see how good I was and see how much I can help you because then maybe you would love me and you would think I'm good. What a pathetic way to search for love. The moment I realize that I'm, I love you not because of what you can do for me or what I can do for you. I love you because it's the nature of a fruit tree to bear fruit. A fruit tree doesn't look and see if there's anybody beneath it when, it when the fruit ripens and it drops it to the ground. It doesn't look if it's a good person or a bad person. It doesn't withhold its fruit because someone comes because of the color of their skin or the religion they practice or the border they go, they're going to take it to. It, it could care less. Its nature is to bear fruit and it bears fruit. Our nature is to love one another and that's what we, that's what we need to be. We need to become like fruit trees that just give our love because it's a nature of ourselves to love. And it seems like a lot of times that almost that what, what you're talking about there of, of trying to be loved based on, you know, what maybe achievements or, or just, you know, how great you could be externally. Um, it seems like that, that 
view is very, you know, rewarded, at least in like Western society, it's like almost kind of like uh, bringing it back to the billionaire that you were talking about, where it's like on the surface, it, it appeared, you know, to you, I guess, that he was very loved with these hundreds of people that showed up to his birthday party. But, you know, he, he saw through it, he saw that it was all conditional love. And yeah. you saw that, you know, you were in search of this unconditional love. And I guess my question is, you know, how in today's world, where, like, how can we bring more of that unconditional love, you know, into our lives and be able to sort of hold that space for other people in order to then hopefully be able to receive more of that ourselves too? So great questions, by the way. I mean, I, I'm so appreciated in our conversation. You ask beautifully intelligent questions and heartfelt questions, and it's a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you. Um, I realized, and this happened just about a year ago, so it's not something I've known for a long time. I'm still in the process. I'm still, like, I don't know the answers to those questions that you ask, but you do. Okay, um, but what I realized for me, and it might be might be universal, it might not, it might just be for me, is the minute I tried to make a point with somebody, the minute I tried to, to say something that I thought was valuable, that they could hear, that could help them, I lost the whole point of my life. Because my point wasn't, it was never, is never to share information. My point was to share presence. And hopefully in sharing that presence, people would feel strong enough in themselves, would feel supported enough, would feel loved enough, would feel accepted enough, would feel listened to and heard. And they would realize, boy, I never realized I thought that before. And that moment, again, that moment where our questions become answers, the questions that don't seem to have an answer become answers that don't seem to have any questions anymore, is such a sacred, beautiful moment that I just give space for that. And so I would ask you to ask yourself, how would I do that? How would I get to the place where I could love and accept people? Where I could listen to them and hear them? Where I could see and acknowledge them? For me, it was instantaneous. Once I realized that's what people wanted, I thought, hold it. That's what I want too. And I needed to start doing that for myself. I started by saying, God, what would happen, Danny, if you just loved and accepted yourself? What would happen if you listened to that voice within you and, and really heard it? What would happen if you actually saw and acknowledged yourself for who you are? Why are you trying to be what all, this, all these people outside of you are telling you? And they're loud. They're loud and loud and loud and they're screaming and telling me all the time what I should do and who should be and how I should think and what I should feel. 
it become, it, don't get me wrong, I listen to everybody. But that doesn't mean I do what they tell me to do. I listen, and if it feels right to do what they tell me to do, I'm all for it. But if it doesn't, thank you very much. Yeah, I, I, I love that because that was the first thing that came to my mind in terms of the answer to that question of like, you know, like I feel like in my life, just the more, the more I judge myself, the more harsh and abrasive I come off to other people in terms, you know, it becomes easier and easier to find faults within them when I'm feeling particularly bad about, you know, myself. So it's like yeah. almost just like how I'm treating and, and interacting with other people. It's like a direct reflection of just how I'm feeling about myself in that moment. I love that because what, what I also believe is this world's just a mirror to me. And so what I see out there is what I see in here. And I was trained years ago by one of the foremost people in being able, he was able to walk into a perfect room and he was able to find 10 things wrong with that room in 30 seconds. And he said, Danny, I see the potential in you to be able to do this. And I wanna train you how to do it. And he painstakingly worked with me to train me how to do it. And, and I got really good. I got really good at walking into places and being able to find what was wrong because he told me when you work with corporations, that's what they're going to want. They're going to want someone who has the ability to see exactly what isn't working and to be able to fix it. I got paid well. I, was, I, I, had, I became known in that field because the way I saw things was different. And I became so sick of it. Because the way you do anything is the way you do everything. Beautiful Zen story. And what I found is that same ability that was great for corporations was terrible for personal relationships. Because I found that I was doing the same thing in the relationships I was having with my, with my wife, with my children, with my friends. I would see all the things that were wrong with them in 30 seconds and I would want to fix them. What a pain in the ass I was to them. And when I heard that people just wanted to be loved and accepted, listened to and heard, and seen and acknowledged, no one ever said to me, Danny, I want you to believe like I believe. And we would stand on the opposite sides of a, a point of view. But when they felt that I listened to them and heard them and loved them and accepted them, and that, what I, and that I saw and acknowledged what they believed, they didn't care that I didn't believe what they believed. They wanted, they wanted to learn how to do what I did for them to me. There's something contagious about beautiful things. When you see a beautiful flower and you smell the aroma from that flower, it doesn't have to tell you to, to come back and smell it. You want to come back and smell it. When you see a beautiful sunset, you want to go back and see the sunset because it literally moves, moves the soul to see this beautiful, we lived by the ocean for, for many years and we would watch the sun fall into the ocean and get that green flash that happened you know, occasionally. And every day we would go, well, the green flash happened today. I don't know. Let's just watch and see what happens. And either if it does or it doesn't, it's beautiful. 
nothing had to tell me, hey, Danny, you should go at sunset to the ocean to watch the sunset in the ocean. It came from deep within me. That's what something I wanted to do. When the love of people comes from deep within us, when the love of self comes from deep within us, nobody can tell us anything that we don't know already. And so I'm sort of an uncoach. I'm sort of an unmentor. I'm sort of, a, and, and I don't do that work too much anymore because really what I just do now is hold space. The space between the words of the mosaic taught me that space is the most important thing in the world. Beautiful. Well, Danny, on that note, um, we are reaching the about the end of the show, so I could keep talking to you for hours. I have really thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. But um, for the listeners, you know, who who also enjoyed the conversation and want to connect with you or find your book, where would you direct them to? So the book costs $12 on Amazon. It is a beautiful, beautiful story. It's beautifully put together. It's called The Mosaic. Uh, I invite you to just read that. Um, it'll take two hours if you read it front to back. And, and it's simple. It's written in a very simple sort of poetic style. It's, it's beautiful. People have said that it reminds them of the alchemist, which is like, what a beautiful thing to say. I mean, it would be my dream that, it, that even to be listed in the same story as the alchemist, let alone compared to it. Um, but if you do get it, take time to listen to the spaces between the words. And if you don't know how to do it, beautiful, great place to start to ask, how would I do that? And sit with that. You can find me on websites, and I'm sure all this will be linked into the notes, danielbrucelevin.com, themosaiconline.com. Um, but rather than finding me, what data do you need to find yourself? Who cares what I believe? Who cares what I think? What's important for each one of us in my mind, in my heart, is to know who you are, what you think, what you believe, to be able to highlight those moments where every question that you had suddenly disappeared and you found answers that had no, that had no questions anymore. And you walk with that knowing presence that is able to be unconditional love to people, that's able to hold people in the space that you hold, where people feel, wow, what happened here? What's this space all about? I want to come back to this more. Awesome. Awesome. Well put. Well put. And I, um, I invite people, uh, I invite the listeners to, to check out the podcast on um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any of the other 
audio streaming platforms. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, it's NeuroFlex, N-U-R-O-F-L-E-X. But I would also echo the same sentiment that you just said, Danny, in the sense of hopefully, hopefully my platform can also be a way that, you know, uh, people can take something that we're saying and, you know, find, find something within themselves that needs to be answered. And I don't claim to be, uh, you know, teaching any of the answers either. It's just, I try to have my show as a, as a platform, you know, I think in the show description, I say, you know, it's a, a platform to have, you know, meaningful conversations. Uh, it just authentic conversations and inspire a discussion. So hopefully that's what, uh, what we're able to do. And I think we, I think we did that today. So, so thank you so much for, for coming on the show. It was really a pleasure talking with you. It's my honor, my friend. It was a, uh, it was a beautiful podcast and thank you for the sincerity and the, and the truthfulness and the beauty of the questions you asked. Absolutely. Thank you so much.